signing day is today. And uh, as you would imagine, big day for UTEP, New Mexico State, and colleges all over the country today. Along with Adrian Broaddus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Jay Jaffe going to join us today. Plus, in our 5 o'clock hour, always excited when this man will say hello. Jerry Kill will be with us. Um, we reached out to UTEP. Dana Dimmel was not available today. He had his press conference at 2 o'clock and uh, prior engagements during our show. So we will play clips from today's uh, 2 o'clock afternoon press conference with uh, Dana Dimmel when he met the media. So um, just want to let our our fans know that uh, we will not be doing a one-on-one with Coach Dimmel today, but we will play uh, clips. Adrian was there earlier this afternoon. Uh, You tell me your takeaways from the um, press day uh, with UTEP for their class of 2023. Yeah, a lot of takeaways for the Miners. Uh, First off, they they signed 13 players to add to their uh, previous signing class, which was announced in uh, December. That was early signing day. So all together for this signing class, 39 players. And the biggest takeaway I have is they have finally gotten away from that blue shirt um, whole dilemma, the debacle that was kind of left by previous coach Sean Kugler. And what that essentially does is you're recycling scholarships year after year. You're kind of saving these guys. They're not necessarily scholarship players. They can't play on your team, active on your roster but you have them kind of waiting in, in the you know behind the scenes as a blue shirt essentially if, if those who are not familiar with that term but point is the miners have now caught up they have a lot of scholarships to give because of the transfer portal and because players I'm talking backups I'm not talking about Tyron Smith or Jeremiah Byers I'm talking about backups entering the portal that actually freed up more scholarships for the miners this year and they prioritize positions like defensive back you know, you have cornerbacks, you have safeties. They are prioritizing wide receiver for obvious reasons. And now, Steve, they've got nine running backs on their roster right now as it stands. So they're loaded at the running back position. Um, UTEP did not uh, get a lot of local commits. They've got Tyron McDuffie, which si- who signed in the early signing period. And they got Jaleel Bose today from Pebble Hills High School. He was he is considered a preferred walk-on, and he will join the minors as well. Uh, so it, they are now kind of moving into this new phase of spring ball. They have a lot of players already here on campus. And because of the COVID year, because that allowed uh, players to retain an extra year of eligibility, this team will be built around its nucleus and that's what kind of Dana Dimmel was talking about six-year guys like Elijah Klein on the offensive line Andrew Mayer uh, you look on the defensive line uh, praise Mayule along with Tyrese Knight who's a linebacker with this group a lot of returning players who get to use that extra year for COVID they're going to be the nucleus of this team now it's about seeing what kind of signee uh, the what which uh, of these signees will actually step on the field to make an immediate impact so here's what's really interesting like I'm looking at 247 sports, okay? And I always like to look at 247 when it comes to signings and, and how this goes. Um, the top three classes are all going to the AAC, UTSA, Florida Atlantic, and Rice. Um, and then after that, it goes FIU, Louisiana Tech, UAB, Liberty, North Texas, Middle Tennessee State, New Mexico State, UTEP, Charlotte, Western Kentucky, Sam Houston State, and Jacksonville State. That's the uh, that's that's the breakdown. Now they've got UTEP with 19 commits, 
And as we said, the class is 39. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how many more they add when it's all said and done and the smoke clears. But here's what's interesting to me. Of the 19 commits, four of them are three-star prospects. Four are three-stars. UTSA has 21 commits. Of the 21, 18 are three-stars. One of them is a four-star prospect. And that, to me, was my biggest takeaway to see how uh, many three-stars were in their class. Florida Atlantic, all 18 were three-star prospects. Rice, 20 out of 21 commits, three-star prospects. Even FIU, who has been miserable, 15 out of 16 commits, three-star prospects. Louisiana Tech, 14 out of 17, three stars. Uh, UAB, 11 out of 17. Liberty, 9 out of 16. North Texas, 7 out of 11. Uh, New Mexico State, 6 out of 26. So it is interesting. Um, And we'll see how many end up three stars when it's all said and done. And we've played the star game, and we know it doesn't mean a thing. However, uh, there is still a very large gap between the top of this league and UTEP at this point in terms of legitimate three-star football players. Yeah, that's exactly right. I would also say with this, um, 247 uh, is definitely one of the resources that we use a lot. Uh, I don't know how accurate it is all the time. I like to compare that one with On3 and kind of see which ones On3 had as well. That's another recruiting um, website that we've been referencing kind of recently. And um, you talk about the the pair of three-star prospects that UTEP has for this signing class. On3 has them with eight. Uh, three-star prospects so it's kind of weird and they also have them with 30 players overall so it's it's just different like 247 sports I don't know if they have a guy who's going to update UTEP's uh, signings left and right whereas on three it's just kind of an automated system uh, according to on three UTSA is 53rd right now in the country and on three has UTEP as a Let's see. They have UTEP 104. Yep, that's right. All right, 104 overall. By the way, uh, on three has New Mexico State 97. With 19 three-star prospects. Yeah, they do. That's right. Liberty, 96. Louisiana Tech, 95. Rice is 90. FIU is 89. Uh, UAB is 83. Florida Atlantic is 80. We mentioned uh, UTSA. They are 51. I'm sorry, 53. 53 on the list, according to on3.com. The point is this. UTEP is improving. They still have a long ways to go. But it's definitely making some progress. Although, what's the best way to put it? Baby steps? I would say um, they had to get right with this blue shirt uh, rule. And also, they don't need immediate guys right away. So whereas, you know, another school might overpromise and say, hey, you can play right away. UTEP's actually, I, I believe in their integrity with these players that they recruit and say, hey, there is a chance if we get all these receivers and we have a need at receiver, mm-hmm. there's a chance for you to play. Yeah. But if we're talking about the running back spot, realistically, even though Dana Dimmel was trying to convince everybody there today that three incoming high school players have a chance to uh, crack the rotation you have 
Deion Hankins, Mike Franklin, to Torrence Burgess, and we yeah. haven't even you know gotten to some of the guys who've been buried in that depth chart to begin with. So that running back group might be tougher to actually grow in or, or to get some playing time, whereas the receiver spot or other position groups on this team, there is that actual path to playing. That's true. That is very true. Um, let's let you listen into a little of uh, Dana Dimmel today. This is courtesy of Adrian. Uh, Dana Dimmel met the media, and here are his opening comments. Um, the uh, recruiting process is new today, in today's day and age. Uh, you know, you never really stop anymore. It's kind of crazy. And they added an extra weekend to uh, the recruiting season uh, for having that for the first weekend after January as a day uh, to bring in any mid-year transfer uh, portal players as well so we, we definitely use that so since the last since the, the first signing period uh, we've added 21 uh, more players uh, to our program um, and so we've, we've added um, nine defensive players to our program and 12 offensive players to our program uh, you know uh, in all my other years of recruiting uh, I believe the most scholarships I had to give that were initial scholarships, I think, was 14 uh, because we were blue shirting all the other guys. And so this year, we've been able to, you know, add you know, 30 plus, actually 39 new faces to our program. So that's how much of a dramatic difference uh, the new legislation has made for us to finally catch up on initial scholarships. And so now we don't have to blue shirt, which was bringing kids in around officials. You know, have to have to pay their own visits, you know, not being able to promise them anything until they got here and so on and so forth. So the whole dynamics of our recruiting has changed immensely and it's been, you know, very, very good for us. So, um, but very busy, you know, very busy time. So of the, of the um, 21 new guys that we did bring in since our last uh, meeting, there's four, four more defensive linemen. Uh, that we brought in into the program, uh, you know, starting off with Chase Bibler, uh, a junior college player that's a, a good-sized uh, defensive interior uh, lineman that uh, is here with us now, you know, because some of these guys have, have, have been with us over the break. How nice is that, by the way, that we have players that have been with UTEP for a while now. It's not looked like they're just uh, going to be coming in for the first time in the summer. Yeah, it's a really big thing for this team. I mean, you're even having high school guys who are foregoing their spring semester for their senior year at in high school, and they want to be here at UTEP instead uh, and spend time here getting acclimated to this program. That means a lot to this group. I think that goes a long way with the coaching staff. And I'll give you a good example. A.J. Odoms, they got him. He, was a, he started every single game mm-hmm. at corner last year for New Mexico. They've got him in the mix early on into the season. You now have depth at that cornerback position with guys like Torrey Richardson, Latrez yep. Shelton, Josiah Allen, and now you add somebody who started every single game for New Mexico, which by the way, Lobos were bad last year, but they still had one of the top defenses not just they in did. the Mountain West, but in college football. So that, that's a, a significant add for UTEP to have early on in the spring to get acclimated here. This comes from Leo underscore Miners fan. Amazing how long those blue shirts uh, had an impact on Dimmel's recruiting. I didn't realize it took that long. Uh, this should be a very positive thing for the program, I imagine. And I think the most significant thing for me was the high school talent available. Um, uh, and that's very true, too. Um, it is nice, uh, according to Dimmel. Uh, 
because as uh, Leo mentioned, the transfer portal rules uh, make it uh, maybe it has a chance to help programs like UTEP in the long run. So we'll wait and see. That's a good point. Thirty Of the 39, how many of those are preferred walk-ons? Do we know? No, we do not know. He would not go into detail on that, but we do know this. I mean, to Leo's point about high school prospects, that's important, right? That's the future of your program. If Dana Dimmel is going to build a successful winner here at UTEP, he's got to get more younger guys into the system who can develop and be strong players for them, not just uh, stay here, sit on the bench, and then transfer out after a season. I'll give you two quick examples. Running back Ezel Jolly, he was somebody who had Power 5 offers we talked about here on this show, and uh, you know Dana Dimmel was very bullish on. I'll give you one more example out of College Station, Texas. Joey Lightfoot, we loved his last name, defensive lineman, six foot three, 305 pounds. Dana Dimmel was talking about how this semester he has a chance to become uh, the state champion for powerlifting. Wow. And so he's like a, an absolute beast. But that those are the kind of guys you need. You need younger guys in your system that you could develop over time, over four years, who can end up being routine starters for you and, you know, end up being difference makers. For Interestingly enough, also, Adrian, um, and this is just important to mention, historically speaking, UTEP never grabs a bunch of guys that anybody knows about. They always seem to find under-the-radar players who develop into very nice contributors for them in, in, in due time. Uh, give you another good example for that. The Die brothers. They are twins. They are identical twins. Joshua Die, Josiah Die. Just very under the radar guys out of Arizona, Gilbert, Arizona. And, the, you know, to be honest with you, uh, guys out of Arizona are under recruited just in general when it comes to playing football. But as UTEP has shown, they have had success recruiting Arizona players a la Jacob Cowing. You know, Elijah Johnson. That's another guy out of the Maricopa, Arizona area. So I like the fact that they've got twins, Joshua Die, Josiah Die. Those are the under the radar type of players that we're talking about right here. Yeah, and and you'll see what they've done, and that's the most important thing. They've had a chance to uh, contribute uh, and 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 really contribute right away. So it's uh, it's 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 important to mention that because in the grand scheme of things. You know, UTEP might not have a ton of uh, of three stars, but you'd be amazed at the list of of two stars and guys that were, weren't even on the radar and what they've turned into. So that's uh, that, that's really pretty impressive when you start to think about it. So, all right, hey, a good start to the show. Uh, we've got Jay Jaffe coming up here in a little bit. We'll do Jay. We'll also uh, hear more from uh, both Coach Dimmel from earlier today as well as uh, Coach Kill, who will join us coming up at 5. So stay with us. Charlie won back with traffic, and then Jay Jaffe next here as Sports Talk continues. I did pick out the Zach Greinke thing because I had mentioned him in my Hall of Fame five-year outlook piece um, and uh, was, was, looking, was looking for something that uh, – uh, at least kind of kept the thread going. And likewise, I've got a piece uh, that's going to go up tomorrow. Uh, it's it's a, a tribute to Sal Bando, the uh, great mm. third baseman of the Oakland A's who passed away uh, about a week and a half ago now and uh, um, how he got no Hall of Fame consideration in his day uh, but probably would have, would would be viewed differently today and, and how that connects to the election of Scott Rowland. So um, I do kind of think a little bit about the Hall of Fame stuff here. Uh, even as we close the books on my uh, annual series. It's interesting when you look also um, about, you know, Grinky um, and, and, and Cooperstown, and it's very possible that he ends up, uh, you know, getting to the hall when his career is all said and done. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think when you look at the landscape, um, you know, not that pitcher wins is a very, is a very good yardstick, but, 
Um, they're just, you know, he's got over 200 wins. He's got the Cy Young Award. He is second in my uh, in my Jaws uh, uh, system among active pitchers. I mean, I don't, you know, he, him, Verlander, um, Kershaw, and Scherzer. They're those those four guys are locks. There's just nobody of comparable quality uh, coming down uh, the pike uh, anytime soon, as far as as far as Hall of Fame candidates go. Um, CC Sabathia is is a solid notch below those guys. He's going to hit the ballot in in, in uh, uh, I believe 2025, um, and I think he'll get he'll get into the hall within a couple of years. But there's nobody of of Granke's caliber or those other three pitchers I named uh, who are uh, anywhere close to the hall. I mean, Granke's uh, uh, he might need two years to get to 3,000 strikeouts the way he's going, but um, he's close there and and. Uh, uh, well over 200 wins and uh, well over 70 war. And I guess you could put him in the same category as the Mike Mucinas, the Fergie Jenkins, yeah. even Tom Glavin, who you mentioned in the story. Yeah, I think you know. I mean, he did he did win a Cy Young. Probably, uh, you know, he he easily could have won a second. But Jake Arrieta had a great year this uh, uh, the same year that Granke put up that 1.5 or 1.6 something ERA with the Dodgers. Um, so. Uh, you know, it's it, he was he was close to that. He was the runner up twice. Um, just a you know a fantastic career. And if you want to keep if he wants to keep going in Kansas City, uh, pitching at the level he's pitching, um, you know, I think it's it's still worth watching. He's he's the, a right handed version of the old crafty lefty right now. That's a good way to put it. I like that. Um, and and you know what's interesting too about Grinky? What I remember, and and again, it's hard to believe it's twenty years ago, but I seem to recall. And correct me if I'm wrong on this, but when he was just coming up, okay, and I'm talking about like breaking into the big leagues because he was a very hot prospect coming up through the yep. minor league system. I thought there was a period of time where he actually quit baseball or considered <laughs> quitting baseball because. Things weren't going as well for him at the time, and he took a break. Like you, I feel like yeah. early on in his career, we didn't even know if Zach Greinke was going to make it as a big leaguer. Yeah, you know, it, some of it had to do with the, with um, uh, you know, with, with what's I guess what he's or what you know what, what others have called the social anxiety disorder that yep. that he got he got uh, uh, treatment for, and and that's been a big part of it. I mean, you know, he was he was you know. On this on this path to you know to being a, a star, but you know I think there was a point there when when he just um, you know it just didn't come together for him and and he had some frustrations and and uh, you know it didn't it, you know he needed he needed some 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 counseling and some I, I don't I can't remember if there was medication involved but you know he he needed to take a step back in order to take a step forward and the Royals to their credit uh, you know were able to help him before things you know really spun out of control he spent some time in the minor leagues he found he you know he rediscovered the joy of playing baseball and and that set him on the path to uh uh to realizing his potential and 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 boy he really has yeah absolutely that's that's a great way to put it it really is um meanwhile as far as you know the the baseball the landscape of baseball goes right now we're kind of in that weird time jay where we're in arbitration period and um you know we're starting to get arbitration hearings some are winning some are um are losing like take a look at the seattle mariners and 
uh, Diego Castillo. That was, I guess, the first arbitration ruling, and the Mariners beat him. And it's kind of interesting to see when uh, players go after arbitration. Um, you know, if they can, if they can win or lose. I don't know if our listeners even understand. You know how the process goes when you you have to present your case, and it's you against the team you're on to see who's going to actually uh, you know win the arbitration battle. Yeah, you know it's a it's a process that I think uh, you know a lot of people don't really have a great feel for, and and um, you know a peek in the sausage factory. But uh, yes, this is the time of year when you do see these things happen, and you also probably start to see some. You know, some players uh, reach agreements on multi-year extensions and th- things like that. And we got all, you know, the business of baseball. There's a lot of business of baseball stuff that's happening right right about now. We'll see uh, uh, invitations to spring training from, you know, to to, uh, to unsigned players and things like that as well. Um, you know, as because uh, it's. It's February 1st. It's time for a lot of these guys to start figuring out, well, am I still playing? Am I going to camp somewhere? Who with? You know, and yep. and, and all of that. Give me your thoughts on Dexter Fowler hanging it up and retiring after 14 years in baseball. You know, Dexter Fowler had a nice career. Um, he uh, uh, bounced around to several teams and, uh, you know, had had, had some some – some real ups and downs there, um, but you know, came up with the Rockies, uh, had a nice rookie season, uh, made it, made the All Star team with the Cubs in 2016, helped them win the World Series, um, spent some time in Houston as well, uh, and then St. Louis had one good year in St. Louis, then things all kind of fell apart for him and um, had some injuries as well, and uh, uh, but uh, you know, I, I, I've heard really good things about him as a person. Um, you know, I think, uh, um, you know, in some ways, I, I think he was he was uh, um, maybe a little bit overrated in, in you know in his prime. He was a, he was a a you know good hitter for a center fielder, but but the defensive metrics were not kind to him, and he probably should have moved to a corner a corner spot earlier than he did. But uh, a lot of you know a lot of teams uh, saw a lot of value in him, you know, on and off the field, and and. Uh, um, you know, he was uh, well-liked well within the sport, and I'm, I'm sad to see him go in that regard. More with Jay as we hit the bottom of the hour, but first let's get right back to Adrian. He's standing by with this Sports Center update. Hey, Jaffe here on the program, and Jay's latest story. Zach is back. Granky returns to Royals is up right now at uh, Fangraphs.com, and there's so much great stuff at Fangraphs. you got to check it out. Also, yesterday, uh, Jay put the article together, Big Comebacks and Easy Calls, the next five years of the Baseball Writers Association of America Hall of Fame elections. I like this one because you go deep into the future ballots, and then you also held a chat a few days ago. Yeah, this is uh, the annual kind of wrap-up of my Hall of Fame season. Um, it's a It's a... It's a fun exercise. It's one I have to revisit every year because uh, my my prognostications are, are far from perfect. And every time you miss a guy, either you know he gets in more quickly than you thought, or uh, he lingers. It, it changes the dynamic. Uh, um, can have a can have a longer term impact. So this is actually the tenth year that I've uh, uh, that I've done uh, this exercise, and uh, one of my um, uh, one of the one of the people from the from the ballot tracking team reached out to me and asked me uh, where I had Roland uh, Scott Roland coming in, and I looked back and 
you know, the first, uh, I, I think uh, 2019 was as far back as I dug, but I didn't even have him getting elected by 2025 then. Uh, and then even after the t- 2020 election, I still I, I had him uh, coming in in 2025. So he beat that. But when, once he got, uh, he started to get some momentum. And uh, uh, I guess I projected uh, 2023 two years in a row, and I finally got it right. So <laughs> um, that was that was kind of fun to go back and, and look at. But I really do enjoy the that that article. It's one that uh, you don't even really have to be. Um, you know that into what I'm doing with Jaws to yep. to really appreciate. You just you know we're just looking at the candidates coming down, uh, you know co- coming down the highway here, and uh, we've got a few three thousand hit guys in in uh, uh, Adrian Beltre and Ichiro Suzuki and and Albert Pujols over the next five years. We've got uh, some great catchers: Joe Maurer, Buster Posey, uh, Yadier Molina, and I think for these guys we're going to start to want to look at the uh, the, fr- the pitch framing data. Uh, even at a time when it's possible that by the end of this run, um, all of that stuff will be uh, uh, a thing of the past because of the uh, automatic ball and strike system, which which could be on its way here. Um, you know, and and it's fun to think about these things. And really, boy, it's a relief not to have to argue over Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Kurt Schilling. Because man, I, I you know those guys cast such a shadow over this process and. Uh, um, you know, when we look at the next five years, we don't have the same the, the same kinds of uh, um, tough decisions. They're, these are we're, we're arguing about baseball again, not about morality. I think. By the way, this uh, next year is going to be ridiculous. When you've got Beltre, Utley, Maurer, David Wright, Bartolo Colon in that group, along with all the holdovers, that's going to be a very tough ballot. And uh, Ichiro almost was in that ballot as well. Ichiro, he had that one game comeback and knocked himself back a year, and that ballot. That ballot's fun too, if I'm remembering correctly. Here, I got uh, who have I got? I got one more besides Ichiro. That's uh, is it Sabathia? Uh, yeah, Sabathia's with Ichiro, and then uh, unfortunately you got guys like Pedroia, Kinsler, Felix yeah, Hernandez. Yeah, some some, you know. some really fine players who unfortunately I think you know fell just a little bit short, had shorter careers, especially Pedroia. No pun intended. Yep. Um, but he was a guy who I think was probably had at least some kind of chance at, at the Hall of Fame, and now. You know, with his injury, with Kinsler flaming out, with Robinson Cano getting suspended twice, it's going to be a while before we see another second baseman in the hall unless we get Utley in there. And I think Utley's uh, uh, in for, you know, I don't think he'll be ignored. Um, but he's a guy with a short career because he got he got uh, to the majors late, and uh, uh, the metrics like him a lot. Uh, but the um, you know the, I think the average fan maybe uh, was kind of like, huh, because he wasn't. You know, he 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 could have won one of those MVP awards that either Jimmy Rollins or Ryan Howard, his teammates, won with the Phillies, um, but over because they had the more traditional stats that, that that stuck out to the voters at the time. That's a good point. Um, all right, uh, so we've got uh, a ton of stuff uh, happening, uh, baseball, right around the corner. We have the arbitration hearings. We mentioned all of your articles up right now. Um, how do we celebrate all this with a beer pick this week, Jay? Ah, well, let's see here. I actually got to go out on a date night on, uh, on uh, uh, Saturday. And we went to one of our favorite craft beer bars. This is called Owl Farm uh, in Park Slope. And uh, it's part of a, a, a small cluster of uh, bars scattered throughout the city. Unfortunately, some of them are no longer with us. But this one is still standing. And I, I went and I had uh, uh, three different kinds of beers there in one night that I really liked. And, and the one I'm, one I'm highlighting here is, is from two, uh, the collaboration between two New York-area breweries, uh, 
Barrier and Kings County Brewing Company, a.k.a. KCBC. It's their Dark Knight, with a K, um, and it is a, uh, um, a black lager, and uh, I'm sorry, a black IPA, and boy, this, this was a good one. Um, Citra, Galaxy, and Simcoe hops, uh, 6.8% ABV, uh, mild, chocolatey, roasty, um, just a wonderful beer, and, and you know, I be, because there were so many beers on the list that I wanted to get to, I only had I only had one, uh, but I would uh, consider going back for another. Man, it sounds delicious. Love it. Great segment as always, Jay. Hey, enjoy the time. We are going to be at. Uh, the Super Bowl next Wednesday on Radio oh, Row. So let's do this. Uh, we're going to be a little tied up, as you might imagine, for those broadcasts. Yeah. So let's take a week off, and we'll come back, and we'll check back with you here two weeks from today. Sounds good, Steve. Take care. Awesome. Jay Jaffe, folks, from Fangraphs.com, as we continue here on the program. All right, we'll come back with plenty more. Utep Zay is in the house. We'll get his thoughts on signing day for the Miners. And a little bit later, Jerry Kill will join us, head coach of New Mexico State uh, Football. So all that's still to come right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. It's past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Utep Zay's in the house. How you doing, Zay? What's going on, man? It's happening. I'm, I'm feeling great today. Well, yeah, it should be. It's signing day. This is like one of your favorite times of the year, isn't it? It is. You know, there was a bunch of, there was a nice flip, LJ Martin going from Stanford to BYU. That was fun to see. And, of course, Utep signing 39 players. That was great. By the way, um, nobody expected the L.J. Martin flip. So, But didn't L.J. Martin actually start at, uh, where was his first school before Stanford? Um, so, no, no, it was. Well, so, you're right. Actually, that's right. Texas Tech yep. flips it, goes to Stanford. Stanford. And then Shaw leaves, uh, which is very key in this whole process. Mm-hmm. And then you know BYU swoops in last minute and grabs him. Yeah, it's interesting, though, when you start to think about LJ and the different opportunities he had across the board, right? So, um, And I wonder, you think UTEP was ever in play for LJ Martin or no? Uh, that's a great question. I think they probably, yeah, actually they were. He was he visited uh, UTEP and everything like that. Uh, Zay probably knows more. Zay, did, uh, did, did UTEP ever have a shot at LJ when uh, Stanford was out of the mix? Uh, not really. No, they, it okay. was more more in the beginning. Yeah, more in the early stages. I got you. I got you. Well, listen. Um, I I still think uh, UTEP did fine when it was all said and done. In fact, we'll play more of uh, Dana's uh, you know long uh, address today when he discussed everything and want to hear more about you know the class in general and what he has to offer. We'll do that right after uh, Jerry Kill. Uh, who will join us here coming up at 5 o'clock. Meanwhile, Zay, um, you you tell me. I mean, UTEP, you know, had a, a class that wasn't filled with three stars, but they got credit for three stars. Um, a little more credit with the on3.com website versus uh, 247. But still, checking in at 104 and uh, ahead of schools in their conference like Sam Houston State, like um, Middle Tennessee State, ahead of North Texas, ahead of Jacksonville State. Um, you know, what do what'd you think? Well, yeah, you know, the 24-7 one, it's not fully updated yet. So once it does, you know, we'll, we'll see that. But uh, I really like this class. I really like Raekwon Thompson, the defensive lineman from Blinn Junior College. That was somebody I didn't think, to be honest, I didn't think they were going to get. Right? I was surprised to me. He hadn't committed verbally at all. 
up until today when he signed. So it was a big time get. You know, you're being regional ties out for for players like him. And then I like the AJ Odoms transfer. He's a really good player. You know, outside of the LSU game, there really wasn't a game where he was out there getting beat for New Mexico. But there's just a lot of there's they're gonna have so much depth, and that that's yeah. huge, right? Especially at that linebacker position, which he talked about last year. You know, they were lucky Waller Step was was good like he was really good last year but if hey maybe if it's another four string linebacker maybe it doesn't work out that way so it's good to have depth there well and that's the thing um they grabbed jake hall from orange coast college at the linebacker spot um but of the 39 players four of them are linebackers so that is good that's what they needed so they brought that in now you were mentioning something else Zay. you said hopefully they add to the wide receiver room you feel like they did that well, yeah, they did. You know, maybe there's not that guy who's going to be, you know, an automatic starter. Maybe Dre Spriggs can do that. But they do have depth now, right? They have guys that, you know, they lost a lot of receivers. You know, um, I forgot his name, but they've lost some guys, right? They well, lost Tyron Smith Tyron goes Smith, to Texas yeah. A&M. That's the big one. But more like depth guys, guys yeah. that are down there, right? So, you know, you ha- you might have your, your starting core maybe already somewhat lined out, but now you got guys that are, are going to be developed for, for the next couple of years. How about the kid from Pebble Hills? Excited about him coming over to UTEP. Yes, he's a deep threat. You know, you throw it up to him, he, he's going to go get it. He's a fun guy to watch, and uh, I really like Boast. So, Jalil Boast is 5'11", 155 pounds, and somebody that, uh, you know, had a couple of nice years at Pebble Hills. 5'11", 155, so he's got to get a little bigger. We know that, but he probably will. Um, Adrian, UTEP's had good luck with with local receivers over the years. They've guys that have come in either from Franklin or Coronado or Eastwood. They've they've come in and they've and they've played well over those years. Julio Lopez was an yes. example of that. Yeah, I mean your recent examples are going to be Ray Flores, preferred walk on, uh, great success story for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also have Warren Reddicks, another great product from the you know Montwood High School ranks, and uh, has a great career at UTEP. Eddie Senegal is another interesting name out of Andrus and he was productive in his time with the minors as well but you you could go on and on with local wide receivers who have had success here Jaleel Boast is going to be somebody who ha- could have that path to success I know UTEP is also recruiting his quarterback which is kind of an interesting part of this all as well uh, Gael Ochoa who will be an incoming senior next fall okay so he's a junior he just finished his junior season this past year he is a, a target for UTEP as far as the quarterback position goes, I like that. So they are. So that's the thing. As one of the things Dana said today, he's not going to shy away from local talent. In fact, they're going to be aggressive, try to get all the local guys they can. Well, actually, he talked about it a little differently, Steve. He talked about local talent and how they will evaluate everybody. They will not try to overlook uh, players out of the local ranks, but uh, they are not going to take just anybody because they live here in El Paso. They want the best of the best regardless of whether where the player is is. Uh, and I think that's different in how they've done it in the past. Whether you ask, uh, whether you look at Dana Dimmel's early signing classes where you have a lot of El Paso kids on the yeah. on the commitment list, or you talk about Sean Kugler's class, which year after year, it seemed like he had a, a list of El Paso players. Oh my god, the largest El Paso uh, ever. And, and you know what was so interesting about that? I'm happy you brought Kugs up, because I used to get calls on the air for years. And people would always say, why aren't why is, doesn't UTEP go after more El Paso kids? 
Like, and they and they used to say if there was the attendance issue, they would say, "You want to increase attendance? Go bring El Paso players in, and then you'll get all these, you know, you get all the local uh, fans to go watch all the El Paso kids." So that's exactly what he did. In fact, at one point, over a third of his total roster was El Paso players. And you want to know something? When they weren't winning, do you think that the Sun Bowl was filling up just because fans wanted to watch El Paso kids play? Absolutely not. In fact, fans turned on him and said, part of the problem with UTEP is they have too many El Paso kids. How the pendulum swings, right? And uh, when Aaron Jones was here, they they still didn't support that uh, team as well. That's right. And a couple of other local guys, by the way. Um, this is a little bit before your time, but... Um, uh, Chris Morrow was a terrific football player from 03 to 06, uh, who was, I believe, a star at Franklin before he went to UTEP. And then Alvin Black, who I went to high school with at Coronado with Torino Singleton. He was also one of UTEP's most uh, reliable receivers for, uh, for four years. So a couple of guys that are a little earlier back in time, but again, El Paso high school guys doing great in uh, the receiving room. Yeah, you know, I get the Sean Kugler argument, you know, that it didn't really work out and, you know, you you didn't get a lot of fans in the stands for that. But still, you know, it's just uh, there's there's frustrations with people just because, hey, there's people like Malcolm Anderson. He's going D1. He didn't get a UTEP offer. Uh, DJ Kress, he's going Texas Tech. He didn't even sniff a UTEP offer. You know, Speedy Munoz, we don't know what's going on with him, but he was probably going to go D1. Never got a UTEP offer. Mm-hmm. It took them a while to offer both Sparks uh, preferred walk-on, and uh, by the time they did that, it was a little too late. So there's a little bit of frustration, but at the same time, they have you know they have a good walk-on pipeline with uh, local players. Again, uh, we'll talk more UTEP uh, football recruiting later in the show, especially with Zay being here. Good analysis, good stuff. When we come back, Jerry Kill, he'll be with us next. The head football coach in New Mexico State will talk about his uh, recruiting class and maybe, just maybe, I can get Coach Kill to talk about the tattoo that he's going to be receiving soon. We'll see when that conversation comes up right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue here on Sports Talk. Signing day means a lot of things for a lot of college football teams, especially what's happening right now in Las Cruces. How about 38 members of part of the 22-23 signing class for the Aggies. Head coach uh, Jerry Kill joins us uh, here on Sports Talk. And uh, first off, c- congratulations. I mean, signing day is a, is a big deal for, for you, your staff, and, and really this program, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, you know, we, uh, you know, we, we, we got to take a step forward. We're going into Conference USA. We, we got to continue to get better. Um, you know, we've got a lot of room uh, for improvement and we went out and feel like we added a lot of depth to our football team and and uh also sometimes you know you know, I mean, we, we feel good about it you know uh, i always say they're all paper tigers until they play but uh you know uh we, we took a little bit of everything uh, from high school to junior college to the portal and kind of broke it up to what we felt we need and so we're going to have some competition in the spring, and, you know, we didn't have that last spring. And, uh, you know, I believe in competition. You know, I mean, you can't get better unless you got competition, a little bit like Pete Carroll does back in the day, and, and he still does. But, you know, you you, uh, you know, and, and you got to have depth. 
because you're going to have injuries. We were fortunate last year with that. So, you know, I, I think we taken a good step in recruiting. And, uh, you know, uh, we just anxious. You know, I think we got about 15, 16 kids here already. And uh, so they're working out. And, and then we're, you know, like I said, we're just uh, excited about moving our program forward. You span the globe, Coach. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, if you're going to find players, it doesn't matter where they are, what state they are, where they've played. You're getting them, and it seems like that's kind of the theme for this class. You've got some some portal guys, Wyoming, Penn State. You've got junior college players. You've got high school kids. Got a little bit of everything, don't you? Yeah, we tried to do that, really, and that was kind of our philosophy. And, um, you know, as you've been in it 40 years, you know, and – Coach Beck's been in in a long time. You know, you just tend to know a lot of people. And, you know, we're going to, if we trust somebody that we know and they tell us they're a good player and we've known them for a long time, you know, that helps us. And then we do, you know, our staff's done a great job and I'll credit them. We watch a lot of film and a lot of evaluation and, and, uh, you know, we listen, you know, we do a lot of research and we listen to the people that we know. Um, because we can't make mistakes, and you're always going to make in recruiting. It's just the way it is. But uh, you try to limit it as much as you possibly can. And uh, you know, uh, we got to go where the players are. And uh, you know, and there's there's good players everywhere. And you know, and, and I can't. I don't know how much I can talk about our walk-on people, but they. You know, we added about ten guys that we feel like are going to be scholarships someday scholarship guys and uh so we're excited about that too so you know again you always try to make your football team better and you know we got better today i do believe that jerry kill with us here on sports talk as we continue uh as you said you've been doing this a long time however we're now in an nil world coach that's just that's just the facts it's nil has changed everything and especially in college athletics and what we're seeing so uh you tell me is is nil starting now to to have a role uh, at new mexico state and, and everywhere else around the country when it comes to football well i think everybody has to do it whether you want to do it or not and you know, uh, it's just that's the way it is, and you, you know you got to have people that know what 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 they're doing. And we're fortunate to have somebody that's you know very good at what he does because he, you know and he's a New Mexico State grad, so we kind of fell into that. And uh, but yeah, you got you got to have it. Now you're never going to have what these other people have, and there's no possible way. But you still you still gotta you know you still got to have it. You know. And, you know, most people that you recruit against or whatever that that words came up. I don't know how many times. So I believe but, it. But uh, they've got they need to put a salary cap on that stuff to give us a chance. <laughs> <laughs> you know, make us sign a contract. Let's if they're going to make us NFL, they just need to go ahead and do it. There you go. That's 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 about right too. Um, listen, I, as I'm looking at the list, um, and, and you've got everything from punters to you know offensive linemen, defensive linemen, uh, quarterbacks. You got a couple of quarterbacks too. You mentioned competition though. L- last year you won seven games, your first year. So uh, now that you're moving into Conference USA, and there's going to be some pretty good teams coming in with you, as we know. Um, you know, you just. Do you, and this is the hardest question, and I asked this to Mike Price years ago when he won eight games his first two years at UTEP. And I said, Coach, 
You set the bar at such a high level, it's hard to live up to or exceed that. Now, I'm not saying seven games is 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 anything that's, you know, earth-shattering in New Mexico State. It's not. But you know where the bar's been set, Coach. So now, you know, trying to improve on that and going to eight, nine, or ten wins, that's, uh, that's sometimes easier said than done in year two, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is our Saturday. You know, we won that. We won seven games. You got to give credit to the kids for that and how they hung in there. But yeah, you know, Coach Franchoni he used to be a low bone coach in New Mexico. Uh, we talk. We you know we talk occasionally, and he always taught me when he was coach or when I got into being a head coach. He goes, "Hey, you never want to win more than four your first year." Well, he, as he let me know, I screwed that up. So. uh <laughs> It, 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 it does. It makes higher expectations and, you know, and, and that's a part of it. But, you know, um, we, that's the whole thing. We got so much farther to go. It's not even funny. You know, we hadn't even tipped the iceberg. And that doesn't mean we're going to have a better team. We're going to have more talent, but that doesn't mean you're going to have a better team. You got, it's all about team chemistry. We got it towards the end of the year and hope these new people coming in is going to buy into the culture of the kids we have. And what's amazing about our kids our, our, our guys, our older guys, recruited. I mean, our players did. I would say our recruits that came and committed to us, you know, I'd say 70, 80% of them, you know, were probably um, determined by our older kids. And they tell us, hey, coach, this kid's not going to fit in. And we listen. We say, we ain't going to bring them in. Now, or we're mm-hmm. not going to take them in. Yeah. And so – our kids did a really good job in this recruiting process. Are you expecting about half of this group to uh, to really have a chance to to compete for playing time this season, or even more than that? Oh, I think more than that. I think for you know, I think it's a deal where you know we'll redshirt some, just like we did last year, and we'll grow them up. Uh, you know, there's some portal players that we need. To, you know, I expect them to have to step up. You know, you don't recruit a transfer kid or somebody like that if they're not going to play they're not going to be happy however uh, people look at that a lot of those kids we recruited got three years left so that's a whole different story you say they're a junior college kid but they're really they played one year of football and we got got them for three years and that's the kind of kids we look for in junior college and you know i came from junior college america in kansas and uh know all those coaches and know all the coaches of mississippi and you know, a lot of coaches in California. So, um, you know, it's one of those things you got to be careful. And you, you got to be careful with your team chemistry, uh, you know, because if you don't have that, you're not going to win. But uh, that's my job, and I've been fortunate to, to be able to do that pretty good, and we'll just see. Uh, but, uh, you know, like I said, we we definitely increased our talent pool, and, you know, uh, you know, we got some really good athletes, some of them very proven, and we just got to, you know, uh, keep the team chemistry. But we got enough people here that played. Like, we're a really young team last year in a lot of ways. Yep. And uh, so, you know, they've got to – those kids expect – they expect more too. They're hungry and excited about, you know, our recruiting class. That's one thing about it. Our kids want to win, and they got a taste of it. They haven't had a taste of it. And uh, this buying, I mean, after getting a taste of the bowl game and winning, uh, our kids have really, you know, I don't know, it's just different. It's, they've really busted their butt, and 
you know, they're wanting good players. They're giving us a hard time. They're always up to the office. I don't know about this kid. I don't know about evaluating him. I don't know if he's fast enough, Coach. And I go, hey, get out of here. You don't know anything. But uh, it's great to see them not involved in our process. Jerry Kill with us here on Sports Talk as we continue. Before I let you go, I understand that uh, you made a promise uh, before the season started, and now uh, you have to live up to your end, which uh, means you are going to be getting a tattoo, Coach. Well, you know what? My mom will kill me. She's 82 years old. My dad will be rolling around in gray, but sometimes I do whatever I have to do to win. And before the bowl game, you know, I said, if we win, you know, I'll get a tattoo. And, uh, which, you know, I said, and, you know, and, and, uh, anyway, then we won the game and, and that was the, the big topic. So my uh, girlfriend, she's a graphic artist. And so she's, she's put it together and, uh, that will happen in a couple of weeks. So they'll put it on an old wrinkly arm. We'll see if it holds up, but, uh, I'll, I'll take a lot of heat back in my hometown. I guarantee you that. Will the tattoo be featuring New Mexico State? Will it feature you, your face? Like, what are you gonna, what are you gonna put on your arm, Coach? Do you have any ideas uh, yet? Yeah, it's not gonna feature Coach Kill at all. It's gonna feature our team because I'll never coach another group like this. In my career, uh, what we got out of those kids, what they put into it. How when we were in zero and four, they didn't give in to all the stuff. We were one and five, they still didn't give in. And what those kids did is unbelievable. I've never seen it before like that. And so their logo certainly will be on there. And, uh, you know, that that's the most important logo. And we'll have the pole logo. And then uh, we'll have a surprise logo. So we'll, you'll just have to, you know, I, I'm sure there'll be people videoing and, and you'll get the primetime look. But you got to. Got to have a little surprise in there for you, too. That's true. Uh, by the way, you said it's going to be your arm. Was there any talk about any other body part, or did you automatically choose the arm right out of the gate? Uh, no. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm not putting it on any other body part. But I'm putting it on the safest place I can put it on. And where it doesn't hurt, well, it's going to hurt a little bit, but I don't want, you know, I, the guy said today, Coach, you're, you're doing it in the safest place. And I said, that's it. Exactly what I wanted to hear. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, Coach, congratulations on the signing class. Always great to hear from you, and uh, enjoy the rest of uh, the start to 2023. We'll look forward to talking to you when we get closer to uh, spring ball. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Jerry Kill with us here on Sports Talk as we continue. Let's send it out to Charlie One, standing by with another traffic update. Charlie, how are we looking? Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. Jerry Kill's getting a tattoo. What else is new as we continue here on the show? Loved it. I loved Man, it. Man, that guy arrives in Las Cruces, and I'm telling you, and I, I brought this up during the conversation, be careful, Jerry. Mike won too fast here. He did. And I, and I used to tell him, like right in the very beginning of his time, I said, man, it's amazing that you won eight games, but... You set the bar too high because the only place you can go from eight is like up to ten. And a ten and two season is almost unheard of at UTEP. So, you know, seven and five, hey, you could still have eight, nine wins, but man, that bar was set pretty high last year in his first season. And now they gotta go from independent to uh, to conference USA. 
Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, um, you know, in years past, uh, just historically, both UTEP and NMSU are bad football programs. They are bad teams. They are historically uh, not winners. And when, when you look at them uh, and you see a winning season, you can't take those seasons for granted. You no. really can't because you, you never know when it'll come again. UTEP won seven games last year uh, or two years ago now. And, you know, NMSU this past season wins seven games. I don't know when's the next time these two teams will win seven games. Let me say this, though, okay? Um when he was at Southern Illinois, and they were, you know, um, they were essentially FCS. He won ten games twice, nine games twice, and twelve games once. Then he goes to Northern Illinois in the MAC and wins ten games um, his last year. And at Minnesota, playing in the Big Ten, he won eight games twice. I mean, why should Jerry Kill not win eight, nine, or ten games at New Mexico State, given his track record over the years? He'll have an opportunity. He'll have uh, the pool of players when you know you look at this past year's recruiting class and this year's recruiting class. He's getting the guys. So, yep. uh, I mean, as far as excuses, he doesn't really have any. He, he has the tools right here to be successful in a league like Conference USA. 505-6009 if you want to talk about it with us on the show as we approach the midway point of the program today. 505-6009. We mentioned we had more audio of Dana Dimmel. Here he is uh, taking questions after his first 18 minutes, talking about his uh, signing class today for uh, 2023. You kind of alluded to what enabled you to have so many more people in this class. Could you kind of go into that why you have sure. so many more? And also, this is a higher rated class than you typically have. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, what's changed is the landscape, and I think, you know, can you have a, co- a conversation about college football and not talk about the transfer portal? The transfer portal has been. Uh, a positive thing uh, in so many ways for us because it's allowed for us to create some more scholarships in our program. So basically what's happened is we've had some guys that have been third and fourth string players for us that have entered the transfer portal. And when they do that, then that allows us to replace the scholarship immediately. That's new legislation that had come in. And I think that's a, a secret sauce really to a program that kids that have an opportunity to maybe play somewhere else that are buried in your debt chart, they don't have to sit, you know, they can go somewhere else and have an opportunity to play. So that's helped us, you know, uh, with our numbers as well. And then the other thing that's helped us is the fact that you can sign over 25 now, right? So now uh, with the new legislation, you can can sign as many as you need to sign and, and you just have to be at your 85 number of scholarships by the first day of classes. And so that legislation that has been added has really given us a chance to uh, improve the quality of our program. I mean, the quality of our, our athleticism right now in our program, uh, as you come out and see spring ball, it's significantly better than it's going to be at any time. It's not even going to be close, so I'm really excited about that part of it. Now, uh, let's talk about that for a second, okay? Have we done the um, have we done the uh, manual roster cleanup yet? Where we've looked at the roster as it stands today, the roster from the UTSA game, and looked and seen 
who is gone that we did not anticipate being gone? Have we have we done the math to see if there were any portal guys like Coach Dimmel alluded to that are not necessarily on the two four seven transfer portal list, but are no longer with the program that we were not aware of up until today. Yeah, so those are the kind of guys that we had alluded to, maybe players who just have not hit, you know, not had the, any kind of playing time. Uh, I'll give you one, um, just, or I'll give you two quick ones. Justin Prince, Varenzo Holmes, those guys hit the portal kind of even before the season ended. And, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, Prince was suspended from the team indefinitely. Uh, it was a team issue that they were saying that, that it was kind of under wraps. Uh, but nonetheless, he was somebody who hit the portal. That's a that's a scholarship player right there. And UTEP was able to use those two schol- those two scholarships, Forenzo Holmes, uh, Justin Prince, in their uh, in this recruiting cycle right here. So those are kind of examples that you could look at. Are there others? Have we have yes. we done have we done the roster analysis yet to see who else is not on the team uh, that we expected to still be on the team? I'm trying to look for some more of these names. Uh, Two Four Seven Sports does have this uh, list right here, so I'm just trying to find it on my side. It, it is the transfers uh, that we have to look at. Okay, no. So my question is, uh, and Adrian, you'll you'll tell me this. Um, is it updated? Um, oh, no, the roster is not updated. No. Okay. I don't know why, but I thought there was an updated roster sent out today. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I thought they, I thought they had a, an updated version for us. So um, I'll have to look. Well, Steve, uh, earlier in the like early in the off season, I kind of kept a bit of a thread of guys that enter the portal that may not be on twenty four seven sports. So yes, just non scholarship players like Travion Ballard. Uh, I think Josh Farr, he was on scholarship. He entered the portal as a grad graduate transfer. Jonathan Jonathan Patrick Jr. receiver. Yep. Of course, we talked about Daryl Miner. He's going to Indiana now. Um, and then that's it. That's I, I stopped keeping track. But those are some of the guys. Okay. Not never played. I mean, those are guys that we don't know names. Uh, yeah, exactly. Steve, and those are guys that probably took up scholarship roles that UTEP was able to use this uh, this signing period. It is. Listen, here's the deal when it comes to football. Football is different than basketball. Okay, in basketball, coaches all the time will um, tell players you're not going to play, and they'll go someplace else. It's simple as that. You only have 13 scholarship guys. Okay, in football you have 85, and the way I've always been told is this. If somebody's got a scholarship, they are not going to just be replaced by their head coach from one year to the next. The coach isn't going to sit down with them and say, you know what? You can stay here, but you're never going to play and you know, or, or we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get rid of your scholarship. It doesn't work like that. So football, it's a four year deal or, or more. And, you know, that means that if players on their own decide to go elsewhere, uh, that does the football program a huge favor because otherwise they'd, they'd be essentially keeping that player's scholarship for those four years and they're not able to get out of that. And I think there could be a very transparent and honest discussion between the coaching staff and those said players where you just sit down with them and say, hey, look, uh, we, we really liked you out of high school for whatever reason. We just don't know when the next time you will get a chance to actually play on the field. Is there an opportunity for you to look elsewhere? And can we have uh, can we help you in that process of transferring away from this school? I think if you have an open, truthful, uh, and honest discussion about this with players that yeah. are on the roster, if you're college football coach, then you'll have a lot of success like UTEP did. I think you're right. I, I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, the 27 pass, let's listen to more of what uh, Dana Dimble said in his Q&A earlier today. 
I mean, obviously, in the early signing period, I think it was like 16 of 18 were, were junior college players. This one was a little bit more diversity to it. How did you kind of go about that, deciding who to? to yeah, that's it's always it's always really you know of uh, interesting. You know, mix to try to figure out, but we added 10 high school guys to this class. You know, of the 21 that we added, and uh, so I think the numbers are 10 high school, nine JC, and two transfer guys. And so, to me, it was um, we felt like it's kind of crazy the talent that's out there in high school right now, right? It's crazy how talented players are available. Uh, to get, and we're all shocked. Uh, we, we feel like that, and we all know why, right? Because so many people are living in the transfer portal, right? That not only has it affected junior college recruiting and how much better you can do in junior college, but also how much better you can do in the high school uh, as long as you're, you know, very, you know, selective on what you do with it. So with us, we felt like, you know, we wanted to add 10 guys to certain positions. But when I talk about some of those high school guys, these guys are so talented that they can, they, they might all have a chance. There's not very many of them that is a project type of guy. You know, I don't ever want to pin somebody down, but of these 10, there's quite a few, like I talked about. I don't know if any of those running backs we signed, those, those three guys are all plenty talented enough to get into the mix this year. I mean, they're gonna be hard guys to keep off the field, and it just goes on uh, for, you know, Josiah Dye in the secondary, one of the, one of the few high school guys that we signed in the, in the, in the secondary, I don't, you know, he's, he's a tremendous player too, so he might be a So that, the talent pool is so good right now, we felt like in the high school that we wanted to take guys that we felt like could, you know, make an immediate impact and are pretty close to being ready, uh, ready to play for us at this point. So, but it is, it's very, it's a very interesting landscape out there for someone that's been in the business for a while and to see it and to get a good, you know, understand it and have a good feel of what's going on with it. I think we've got a really good, strong grasp on, on, on how we need to attack it. And we felt like our plan this year worked out really, really well for us. All right, let's talk about that for a second. Uh, again, you hear from Coach Dimmel saying that the quality is what has impressed him the most and how um, he talks about just how good the overall caliber of high school talent is. And he says it's, it's better now than it's, than it's ever been before. I'm not surprised because, Adrian, what's happened is is that just as you've seen the evolution of high school athletes, they're better conditioned. Uh, they're they're incredibly physically uh, you know gifted now because of what high schools are doing to get their bodies in in really uh, game shape. So yeah, you've got incredible high school talent now compared to what you've had in the past. And I feel for the past uh, three classes of high school athletes, it doesn't have to be football; it could be any sport because what they've had to deal with with more upperclassmen on these rosters of college teams is as a result of the COVID nineteen pandemic and how that granted most college athletes athletes an extra year of eligibility and because of that there is more of a talent pool out there when it comes to high school prospects that you can go out and recruit so just like UTEP is feasting when it comes to getting JUCO players because everybody's looking in the transfer portal they're starting to get some high school guys that you know otherwise they, they might not have gotten uh, had uh, you know these coaches uh, in colleges emphasize more high school players than transfer portal or JUCO. Middle of the show, we'll get to Jim in a moment. Two lines open, 505-6009. Let's get right back to Adrian in this Sports Center update. Thank you very much. We keep things moving right now as uh, Sports Talk continues at 33 past with Jim on the lines. Hey, Jim, thanks for the call. How are you today? Good, Steve. How have you been? It's been Do- a while. Good to hear from you, I've Jim. Doing fine. 
Yeah, I've been on the DL for a while. Hey, um, you know, how can you not love Jerry Kill? I mean, the guy is just, you know, he reminds me of this voice as a Sling Blade, the guy in Sling Blade. I don't know if you saw that that movie or not. I like that, Jim. That's a good way to describe it. Man, Jim, you haven't called in like five years, Good, if not more, maybe probably like 10 years. Good to hear from you. Count your blessings. Count your blessings, Steve. You well, know listen, uh, here's what I like about it, Jim. Your last name is Kel. He's Kill. So between the two yeah. of you, I wonder if maybe one of you uh, accidentally replaced the wrong vowel and you, you guys are actually <laughs> related. Who knows? You know what? I love it when somebody mispronounces his name and says Kel. Yeah, so I'm sure you he, do. But he kills it. Like, I'm sure everybody said that. Were. Well, that was really yeah. good. Unfortunately, the Mike Peak shooting in, in basketball kind of spoiled oh, yeah. that one. So, uh, yeah, we can't we can't use the kill line like we would have otherwise. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry. Right. Hey, um, he is. I don't see why we wouldn't think he would continue to do well. He figured out the transfer portal quick. I mean, I mean, he had so much success in the past without it at all those schools that you mentioned. But man, he. I really think he's going to be successful. And the thing I think too. It's just like Mike Price would have if he hadn't set the bar so high, as you said. Um, he'll be here, be there in New Mexico State for a while. Yeah. I mean, I, at his age and where he's at, he seems to love it. I, I just don't see him, see him going anywhere else. I don't either, I'm and there. I'll tell you this much. Uh, Mario Mocha, as long as he's AD, is going to take great care of uh, Jerry Kill and vice versa. Mm-hmm. I think it's a perfect marriage for the two of them, and you're right, 100%. And it's interesting because when Jerry Kill signed his new contract extension, there are things he asked for, like he wants the uh, gravel lot paved in uh, in Las Cruces, and then he wants improvements to certain facilities. And Adrian, we looked at that contract extension. Part of Jerry Kill's deal is if he's going to stick around, he wants those improvements to the uh, to, to just to the the football program on and off the field to ensure that they're first class all the way. And it, what it does is it holds the athletic department accountable for putting resources into the football program in order to win and be successful. Yeah. And that's what Jerry Kill believes will be successful with New Mexico State. He wants the renovations. He wants the improvements done to facilities. And th- those are his demands in order for him to remain as the head coach over there at New Mexico State. You know what that says, too, is, is Kill It's really bought in to live in there, to like in the community. He wants to make, make the improvements and continue on. Man, I think, I just think, in the beginning, I didn't, I thought, what the heck? I don't know about the, he had that epilepsy or something, and I thought, man, I don't know about, but man, it is really turned out to be a great hire. I mean, I'm I really going to look forward to, to their season to hit. Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. Appreciate and, uh, the enjoy, call. I'll enjoy the shows for, for, for going forward. <laughs> Take care, right. Jim. We'll All talk right. to you soon. That's our pal Jim calling in today. Blast from the past here on Sports Talk as we continue. Uh, 36 now past the hour. So we've got 90 minutes, and we have not said a word about Tom Brady's second retirement. Not even a word, because it happened in this, this morning here on a signing day. And uh, that was the story that early this morning uh, everybody in the sports world was talking about. In fact, um, Brady even got emotional when he was announcing in a very, um, I don't know, very casual outside setting way in less than a minute that, you know, he was going to hang it up again. I mean, here it is. This was 53 seconds of Tom Brady's uh, retirement. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the. That was 10 seconds. I mean, hey. 
you know, he wasn't even messing around on this video. Better than the Adam Schefter tweet last year. That's what I'll say. I agree. But he had 43 more seconds to go. Here we go. Process uh, was a pretty big deal last time. So when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. Like you only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So I uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me. My family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. I mean, that's, again, a very genuine message. I know some on social media are like, yeah, let's see when he comes out of retirement again. But I don't think so. I, I think that this time it's it's really over. And maybe Brady just decided some random 53-second message that he hit record on his cell phone and sent on Twitter is the way to go. Yeah, and it's uh, for him, I think he was really upset about how the news leaked last year. I yep. think he was really bothered by that. So I, I felt like for him, he wanted to he wanted all the news to come from him exactly. directly. And that, that's what it all came down to. And for him to do it today on February 1st, just like he did last year on February 1st, I found pretty amusing. I did too, except there was no Schefter uh, right. this time around, right? But it's, it's pretty good. 38 pass. Before we go to break, uh, Adrian, um, it has been a whirlwind for you. Uh, and, and your uh, family over the last couple of weeks. A lot of changes as you started the new year. One of them, a brand new water system uh, from the folks at Clean Water of El Paso. Yeah, Steve, I still can't get over my free water analysis uh, that I got a chance to do with Clean Water of El Paso. And, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. You talked to me about it. You gave me a great recommendation about it. I heard all great things about it when I looked them up online at cleanwateroftelpaso.com. And then I started to see their reviews and people who currently use them, like Whole Foods, Starbucks, you know, Hotel Indigo. I was really impressed. So I was thinking, myself look we got a new house we've got this new place that we want to uh you know hold at a high value and, and we want to make this a high quality home well what better person to work with than clean water of el paso uh who has been voted el paso's number one water softener company for over 25 years but what i still can't get over with uh is when john garcia from clean water of el paso came over he showed us just how dirty our water was in our home and that kind of freaked me out a little bit so i'm happy to to uh, work with Clean Water of El Paso. We got their best all-in-one system. Uh, and you know what? I, I have Clean Water of El Paso that I'm actually drinking out of right now. I'm drinking out of my uh, you know, my my water out of my faucet, uh, for my, and it's perfect drinking water, which I, I just love. So the best part about Clean Water of El Paso is they offer this free water analysis to you. All you have to do is just go online, cleanwateroftelpaso.com, or call them, 915-856-0059. That's 915-856. 856-0059 for Clean Water of El Paso. Coming back with more right after this, 20 in front of 6, as Sports Talk continues. All right, back on Sports Talk as we continue. Sule Boom so far with 9 points, 4 of 10 shooting. Xavier leading Providence, 48-46. Under 15 left to go. Actually now 49-48. Good game. Really good game. We are on this Wednesday night Big Ten uh, or Big East action, Steve, with Sule Boom as the main event. We get more Sule Boom and Xavier than we ever did when he was at UTEP, as far as televised games go. Yes, I, I mean, not even close. And people are calling him like 
I mean, not just the best college basketball transfer across the country, but they they call him one of the best guard transfers ever, which is a, a big thing to say. But the, if you look at how big of an impact he's made with Xavier thus oh. far, it, you could see why they say things like that. I was talking to um, a friend of mine at lunch today, uh, Eric, from uh, Expert HVAC and Refrigeration. We Shout were talking, out Eric. And we were talking UTEP hoops. And we were just talking about Sule and, and just how, how polished he is. And that's the thing about Sule is, you know, I mean, it would have been great to have him stay at UTEP this year. It really would have been because they're probably a Sule boom away from, um, you know, really being at the top of this conference. That's all they really needed was, was him. But he's a high major talent. Like, he's, he's playing high major ball, and he's leading his team. He's their leader. And you could just see that his game plays at any level against any type of competition. Yeah, you know, I'm, I enjoy watching Sule Boom. I've always enjoyed watching his gameplay, but... To say that, you know, from UTEP last year to this year, he's gotten so much better just considering the talent that he's going up against and how efficient he's been. You know, we saw at times when he was at UTEP, he he was a solid defender down the stretch, but he's he's a solid defender at Xavier. It's just so perfect. It was such the, it was a it's a perfect fit for him at Xavier and they're a fun team to watch. They're a really fun team to watch. Yeah, they are. Absolutely. Ten in front of six right now as we continue on sports talk. This came in from Poncho a little while ago, talking UTEP football. I know we're stuck with Hardison for one more year, but there was no quarterback signing? What's the plan for the future? Looks like Dimmel is only looking to get another extension. If he does, then he'll worry about a quarterback. So this is a very interesting tweet from Poncho. It really is because when you look at the class for UTEP, as as far as you know, their signings go, there is no quarterback. There's none on this list right now. And that's not to say they're not going to get one. I'm sure they are. But, um, look, I mean, Dana Dimmel has ultimately put his entire UTEP job in the hands of Gavin Hardison. I mean, that's that's just the truth. And, you know, the way Dana's contract works out is that if he does not go to a bowl in 2023, UTEP ultimately, he would have one year left on his contract, and that would be the 2024 season. And if UTEP wanted they could buy him out at 65% of his base salary because he didn't go to a bowl game last year or this upcoming season, which would not kick in that full extra year and 100% for the buyout. So if you think about it, yeah, Dana Dimmel is absolutely putting his UTEP coaching future into the arm of Gavin Hardison. There is there is no other way to put it than that. He feels more confident about Gavin at quarterback for UTEP than he does anybody else. And that's a, I mean, that's obviously concerning for many reasons. Uh, but uh, well, you know, 
there's there's two ways to look at it. One, you could say, hey, Gavin Hardison has been in the system for four years now. This is a four-year starter who's coming in next That's right. year as a That's senior, right. and he comes in with uh, a winning experience. He's led a team to a winning record at 7-6 and six in a bowl game. Uh, but then there's the bad with Hardison. And it, I'm not even talking about you know the interceptions, the turnovers, all of that. You, you, call, you can also look at the durability factor of all of this, right? Uh, Hardison has been uh, you know very healthy throughout his career, but... But if he goes out, who are you looking at? Cade McConnell? You don't have Gavin. Uh, you don't have Calvin Brownholtz anymore no. to back up Gavin Hardison. Who's that backup? And that's 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 the that's the fascinating question for this next season. I mean, we really don't know who that's going to be. It could end up being Jake McNamara when it's all said and done. Who knows? Because he's he's that that running quarterback. He's little, but he has that kind of ability. I don't know who the backup's going to be this year. And no it's, clue. It's weird because they all possess different things, right? The only guy that they signed in the early signing period, Seth Mauser, he's six foot five, more of a pocket passer from Bastrop, Texas, kind of like a Gavin Hardison style. Cade McConnell could do a little bit of running, but probably more of a pocket passer. Kevin Hurley's a little bit of a dual threat quarterback. Still don't know about McNamara. Too too early to tell. Point is, it is a giant question mark behind Gavin Hardison, who, by the way, I got news for you. Gavin Hardison's going to have to run the ball this upcoming season because if there's one thing Dana Dimmel would like to see out of his starting quarterback that he hasn't seen enough of, it's the ability to run. And all it took was watching Calvin Brownholtz against UTSA and realizing what that true dual threat ability is all about to a team's offense. They tried to do some of that design run early into the the football season, and they had success, but they abandoned it. Um, And I don't know if that was a comfort thing for Gavin Hardison or what it is, but they will have to expand that part of his game, and he will have to. He just has to add a little bit more physicality to his game. I'm not saying he's he shies away from contact. He just has to add more uh, of that you know toughness to his game when he decides to run the ball. Well, maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't want to get hit. Yeah, that's right. Tom Brady didn't want to get hit. True, that's very true. And now he's retired. So, yeah, you know, some quarterbacks, let's be honest, they don't want to get hit. I don't blame them. I wouldn't want to get hit either if I was playing college football. Not at the quarterback spot. And some people just like to be a pocket passer. That's true, too. All right. Uh, Two in the books, one to go. Coming back, hour number three. Phone calls, tweets, uh, app chats, all that still to come. Here as Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Hey, um, it's coming fast, folks. Fast and furious. We are going to be live at Radio Row Super Bowl 57 Wednesday, Thursday, Friday next week. So many great people coming on board. Love this. In fact, we've got a couple of newbies. New ones just added. To um, the list of sponsors, first off, I want to say hi to uh, the great folks at El Pero Grande Tequila. Super excited about that. The official tequila of Sports Talk on the Radio Let's Row go. Super Bowl trip. Let's go. I love it. Love yeah. their tequila. Love their bottles, too, They have Steve. the coolest bottles. Those, are, those designs are amazing. Have you tried the tequila? Yes. Good for you. It's so great. I love it. So that's awesome. Appreciate that. Also, today, just today we found out, expert HVAC and refrigeration coming on board. Eric had a boy. 
Good to have you back with us. Appreciate that. And, of course, all of our sponsors making this show uh, possible. Um, our, one of our major sponsors, Rise Federal Credit Union. Um, yes. Love it with Rise FCU. Uh, they're going to be our broadcast sponsor. So it'll be the Rise Federal Credit Union broadcast sponsor um, at the uh, Radio Row Experience. Of course, Technomark El Paso, Border Pallets, Chick-fil-A Airway, all coming on board for the first time ever. Love it. New Start Homes. Hey, 2023, fresh start, new start with Sports Talk and the Super Bowl 57 in Radio Row and um, Oscar Adietta. Uh, and the Oscar Adietta Agency. So, yes, we are uh, really excited about this. Uh, it's going to be great. We're going to crash with friends. <laughs> this is the ultimate show, by the way. There's, we don't have hotels. We don't care. We're going to find places to go, people to see. And uh, it's Phoenix. So we'll have a good time. We're only six hours from El Paso. And uh, um, I found out also that uh, Laying Down the Law has requested a third hour every day. They want to go twelve to three instead of twelve to two. I have heard this. Uh, I Foster, Steve Foster called me on his birthday. So how could you say no to the Foss on his birthday? That that was what, what I was trying to uh, come up with a, an excuse. I was trying to think. Well, you know, from two to three every day, I have to do that. No, I can't. I, what, what am I supposed to say? Let's do it. Six hours of sports every single day. Isn't the greatest. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we're going to fill it up. Uh, Foss was so confident we're going to get uh, people left and right. The one thing, here's the one thing, Steve. One thing that we have to hold Steve Foster accountable, he can't be ditching our show at like 530, at like 6, 630, something like that. Like, hey, guys, I- I'm going to I'm gonna let you guys close out the show, close out the night. I'm going to head back home. Well, first off, uh, and this is no disrespect, is Foss even going to be on with us? Because he's going to have three hours yeah. of his own That's with Chris. Point. I don't even know if, I mean, you know, I mean, he's got his own gig going with Chris. That's right, yeah. And we've got our show. We're going to have plenty of guests. I, here's the way I look at it, okay? Foss's job, besides hosting his three-hour show, will be to get us as many guests as humanly possible well, that, from that's 4 what to I'm 7 thinking. o'clock. That's what I'm thinking. His he's- job will be to, to shuttle guests in, and, and, and good guests, not people that, you know, I mean, you know what I mean. There's the, there's the A-listers, the B-listers, and then the Z-listers, and, um, you know, it's, that's not going to happen. As a, you're a guest of laying down the law, I'm a guest of laying down the yes. law. And as a guest, I, I've i seen the A-list guys, right. the B-list people, and uh, oh, the Z-list. And I'm going to tell you something else. You know what I'm going to do from 12 to 3? I'm going to get guests for laying down the law. Nice. That's that's going to be one of my responsibilities. I'm going to go out there and, and, and go get guests to go to their show. Maybe That's I'll, the whole uh, point. Maybe I'll just walk around and uh, you know meet some people. No, you won't. <laughs> you're going to be working your tail off just like I am, doing everything. What do you think you're going to be doing? You think you're going to turn into Brandon Cohn? Yes. No, you're not going to be doing that. You're going to be working. Well, actually, if I was Brandon Cohn, then I'd, I'd get a lot of guests on, you would. on the show. Yes, and, and for the future, too. So That's exactly. Brandon. Yeah. Brandon um, worked his butt off when it came to that uh, yes. to when he was doing Crunch Time. He got George Foreman. And, and landed some big names over the years. You know what? The one problem I have, Steve, is my facial recognition is off sometimes. So I might see somebody, I'm like, that might look like Colt McCoy. Is that Colt McCoy? Yeah, the, no, that's the, tough. The Cardinals backup quarterback? I'm not going to say hi to him. So, uh, here's, yeah. so here's what you got to do, okay? Look at, keep an eye on all the big name stations. 
and see who's going on their show, and then it's like, okay, uh, we're, we're just going to go and, and, and just talk to their handlers and see what we can do to get them on us. As soon as they come off the Carton show That's or right. something like that, hey, come over here to Sports Talk. Although Carton's not going to be there, and, and neither will Cody Decker. I was really hoping Bummer. that they were going to be in Phoenix, but they're not. They're going to stay back in New York. Uh, I just tried to drop that out there casually, hoping that Decker would be out there. Chris Russo will be there. Nice. Okay, So you great. get a chance to hopefully meet Chris, uh, even though our show's kind of overlap a little bit. I think he ends when we start. That would be awesome to just say what's up to him. Yeah. I mean, there's so many guys out there that I'm looking forward to meeting. Oh, it's going to be a blast. An absolute blast. We've never done this before. That's why it's going to be so much fun for us. First time. You know who we might get a chance to see a lot of is a lot of golfers. It's the Waste Management Invitational, and almost every premier golfer goes to this one. Super Bowl week. They're going to be on Radio Row. They're going to be yeah, on the but No, but do I think they're going to be playing? Well, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they will, but our early days. Wednesday, you think they have a chance yeah, to be there? Tuesday, Wednesday, we have a chance. You think Fred Albers will be there? Good question. We might see Freddie. That would be there. fun, That would be too. cool. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Or maybe some uh, golfers who are not playing but still want to watch and want to take part in the, the Super Bowl festivities. That would be fun, I'm too. I'm just trying to manifest Tiger Woods' uh, sighting. Okay. You know, that's what I'm trying to do. That sounds, that sounds good to me. I, I love just want to meet Tiger. Well, you know what? Maybe we can. Maybe that can happen. Is he going to be at the Waste Management Open? Is he playing? Uh, he is not confirmed nor denied playing. So oh, we'll so see. he's up in the air. The Tiger Watch. I like that. Hey, um, uh, let's go back to the phones right now. Rob is up next. Uh, he's joining us. Wants to talk about Sean Payton uh, going to the Broncos. Hey, Rob, what's going on? How are you? Uh, I'm in a good mood now because because uh, of the Sean Payton news. Are you a Broncos so, fan? Yeah, since um, since about '97. I've oh, perfect timing. All right, then you should be excited about that. That's big news, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think it's um because uh, I, I think I think what's needed to be a, a successful team is obviously you need a somewhat aggressive GM and a head coach. If you don't have that like that stability, yep. Um I I don't think it matters who, who you sign in the offseason and Denver uh proved that ever since uh Manning left uh, I think he disguised a lot of uh, roster flaws and uh, coaching flaws that that he could just overcome by being great. Where they've just been struggling to find a quarterback and uh, head coach, been cycling through coordinators, sixteen, seventeen, no, I want to say ten different quarterbacks uh, since Manning left. And I think uh, Sean Payton provides that uh, stability. And I don't really care what he gets paid because it doesn't go against the cap and. That's a drop in the bucket. I mean, the the owners own, um, you know, Walmart. So that's whatever he asked for. Is, yeah, they should just give it to him. That's right. Whatever he whatever he wants, just give it to him, right? Yeah, and I'm with you. Um, that's that's it's exactly. just a huge up, it's a huge upgrade from um, from 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 Nathaniel Hackett, and I say that because I think Sean Payton's gonna really play to Russell's strengths, where. Um, you know, Hackett didn't really do that. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson's real short. Um, a lot of the times can't see over the line, and Hackett never really did anything to help him out, whereas um, Sean Payton found success with, uh, you know, a less than mobile uh, Drew Brees, and he even brought in packages for Taysom Hill, and he's very innovative, and he understands the importance of a good O-line. And I just think you, you need that because, I hate to say it, but we're going against Herbert and – Mahomes for the for the foreseeable future, and you need, you need some stability there in the AFC West if uh, if you're going to compete. So I'm I'm really happy with the hire, and 
you know, if we keep him for 10 years, I, I don't really care about the first round pick we gave up. Um, you know, we'll have plenty in the future. And, uh, you know, I hope that they can, they can turn it around because uh, it's felt like the 2015 Super Bowl was 30 years ago. That's how long it's been for, um, for Denver fans. So I, I just hope we can uh, make the playoffs. I don't blame you, although it's not going to be easy. I mean, look, you've got San Diego now, and they've got Kellen Moore as their new OC. You've got KC, and it's KC. I'm interested to see who's quarterbacking the Raiders next year. I mean, it's gonna. It's we know this. It's it's a very difficult division. It's a very tough division. Yeah, and I think probably their biggest mistake that the Bronco fans are going to be kicking themselves in the foot is, um, well, you know, we had a chance to hire Shanahan. Um, Interviewed him when he left uh, Atlanta, and they ended up choosing uh, Vance Joseph. And uh, I just, I just think that was a huge uh, mistake. I yeah, think, I don't uh, know. Maybe they were worried about you know because his father was such a legend over there in Denver, the comparisons and stuff. I think it would have been a really neat hire. I think um, Elway's. You've seen it with his quarterback um, selections and head coaches. He 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 values uh, experience over anything. He doesn't want a first-time head coach as Shanahan was. He would never have made the McVay hire. He wants uh, he wants the Andy Reid hire, you know, when Casey hired him for Philly. He wants a, a coach that's proven. And, um, you know, that's just Elway's style. He wants yeah. a tall quarterback. But, well, you know, you, you could see. Go ahead. Wasn't Mike Shanahan his head coach when he won his first Super Bowl? Yes, sir. That's yeah, what I yeah. Uh, Mike Shanahan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So. Oh. I'm happy with it, and I, I hope it works out. And I'm going to be real happy to see Sean Payton on the sidelines. Um, thanks right. for taking my call. Good job, Rob. Appreciate you. Thanks for getting in. Yeah, it's an interesting hire. It, it definitely is. Uh, one to keep an eye on, and uh, I'm interested to see what uh, you know what a guy like Sean Payton can do for Russell Wilson. It's anybody's guess, but yeah, it's interesting. By the way, uh, the after effects of the retirement today by Tom Brady. Uh, what does that do, guys, to the Vegas Raiders and their quarterback search? You know, it, it really makes things complicated for obvious reasons. But my question for Ra- the Raiders is, would they consider going young and maybe drafting a quarterback who might be, you know, on the fringe, not necessarily the top guy, but on the fringe, maybe like a Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, you know, Will Levis out of Kentucky. Uh, he, he's kind of that prototype uh, of a quarterback, six foot three, great size, great hands, great uh, throwing ability. But you look at Anthony Richardson, he's probably the more physically gifted player, huge. And, and just can run dual threat guy out of Florida. I really liked what he he offered. Uh, if the Raiders do that, maybe they stick with Jarrett Stidham as the starter for uh, to begin with, and then try to ease in a, a younger rookie quarterback like that. I think there is going to be a huge um, bid war between the Raiders and the Jets for Aaron Rodgers. That's a really good point, too. I mean, a proven per, a qu- a quarterback whisperer like Josh McDaniels could have some kind of a level ground with uh, Aaron Rodgers, and the obvious connection between Devontae Adams makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, 16 past. The sports talk continues. We'll get to more of your tweets, more of your phone calls, and uh, more of uh, Dana Dimmel today when he met the media this afternoon announcing his signing class. All that's coming up right after Charlie One and this traffic update. 20 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk, 505-6009. That's our telephone number. 
along with UTEP Zay, Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. You know, uh, this story about Gina and her mother and uh, what they needed to do by selling their home in central El Paso, it's the kind of story that um, I love because every time I talk about Brian Birds, I always mention trust. That is one word that is so important with Brian and his team. you got to trust who you work with. And they trusted Brian. In fact, um, once the expert advice started coming in, that home in central El Paso was listed at $220,000. Then Brian's unrivaled marketing strategies went to work, and the home was sold within a week, 19000 over the list price, and the closing was even timed so that Gina and her mom could start their new chapter in a new year. These are the kind of stories I love, folks. And I know a lot of you are worried about leaving money on the table if you sell your home. Well, don't worry. Brian Birds at the Brian Birds Home Selling Team, powered by EXP Realty, has you covered. In fact, he knows about all those delays to getting a home sold because timelines aren't met. But you want to know something? No matter what the obstacle is, Brian and his team know how to get it done. So call the official real estate agent of UTEP, El Paso Locomotive FC, and the Rhinos. He's the only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home, Brian Birds. As promised, uh, more of uh, Dana Dimmel's press conference from earlier today uh, after meeting the media and having a chance to talk about the class of 2023. Out of all these recruits, how, how, how many did you look at as immediate impact type of players? Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, if I look at it, there's probably only in the whole class um, guys that wouldn't help either on special teams or in our two deep. There's probably only three to four guys that I think are going to be guys that would have to redshirt, would want to redshirt this year uh, in order to develop. Now, we'll redshirt more of them for obvious reasons, but the other 34, you know, let's say five, the other 34 guys that could come in and help us right away. With uh, the transfer portal, like you mentioned, with the high school prospects that you're talking about, how is the COVID fifth year kind of affecting the program, too? Yeah. Because I'm sure you all have graduated a lot of those guys, retaining maybe eight to ten guys still on the roster. Yeah, well, the, the, the big way that the COVID has affected us is that it's allowed some of our top tremendous players to remain in the program right that's been that's been you know because i was just i was sitting there thinking you know um elijah klein and zuri henry and andrew meyer are coming into their sixth season with us right i mean those guys are three really really good old linemen that have been with us for, this will be their sixth season right isn't that tremendous to have those guys like that and elijah and zuri will be their sixth season of playing because they they started four games as freshmen as true freshmen and so to have that kind of and then you got praise and you got tyrese right that are taking advantage of these these COVID years you know guys that you know are tremendous 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 players for us keenan stewart is taking advantage of the COVID year you know to be back for another year so those are guys that you know you always say you know they're going to get better and better well <clears throat> these guys now have a chance to play a sixth year of college football for us and so that part of it has been really you know, really, really good to uh, add to just our experience of our roster. And, um, you know, I'm probably forgetting some guys that are just great players, you know, off the top of my head right now that are in that sixth year type of, 
uh, uh, spot in our program right now. But it's but it's just tremendous what those guys are adding to to us, you know, and adding to our program. So really, really pleased to have those guys back as the nucleus of our of our football team for sure. Dana Dimmel's Q and A from earlier today as we continue on sports talk. This came in from Leo. I missed part of the segment from hour two. Have you talked about the offensive coordinator yet? Dimmel hiring from within. Will he let whoever is truly coach? Uh, who well, actually will he let whoever it is truly coach? And who could it be? Now, currently, I have about another seven minutes and fifty seconds left to go of this press conference, and so far, I have not heard a peep about the OC. Adrian, as much as I could just run this thing and and be surprised since you were there for the entire press conference, was the OC ever discussed today with Dana Dimmel? Yes, it was. It was the last question asked uh, from today. Understandably so. Let's let's shine the spotlight on the national signing players, and then I, I kind of transition asking some questions about spring ball, uh, and then that led to the question about offensive coordinator. And so, uh, Should we play know, it? What yeah, let, let's play it. I think it's it's worth playing and then rea- reacting to it after the fact. So. Alright, let me uh, see if I can get to it. So we've got about uh, would you say it's like in the last minute or so? I would say uh, I would say it's probably worth the last four, the last four minutes are probably worth it um you know between uh, that answer and this one so let me get to uh let me get to like the last here's like the last four and a half minutes let's see what he's doing evaluate uh more the guys in El Paso they're they're going to get a a stronger evaluation oh wait I want to hear this wait this this is a big one this is actually one of the bigger bigger ones yes this This is like I love this and this one right here this is quality this is quality hang on let me jump back and see what I'm doing here hang on let's find out where we're at Essentially, uh, the question was asked about UTEP head coach Dana Dimmel uh, and his preference or how he how his uh, coaching staff uh, evaluates local talent, mm. knowing that they signed Tyrone McDuffie in the early period and then Jaleel Boast from Pebble Hills this period. Okay. Um, as usual, when you want something good, the computer freezes on you. So, that being said... Let me see if I can get back to where I was. Uh, hang on. Let me see if I can get back to the 28-minute mark. Right, let's try to see what it is. Hang on. They're, they're going to get a, a stronger. No, that's that's too. I got to get back a little farther. All right, hang on. Here we go. And Josh, they're run right through you guys. You know what I mean? And, and I, the pro, I was so proud because I thought that UTEP had the two hardest running, hardest running running backs in Conference USA last year, you know, and I don't get to see other people play, but I thought that Ronnie Awad and Deion Hankins were the two hardest running guys in the conference each and every weekend they ran with a physicality to them that was incredible and fun to watch, and so I think those, you know, I think we've added, we're adding to that uh, as we go through the mix with that and Mike and those other three guys, so that's why I said those are the three guys that I think all could play for us this year in some uh, form or fashion, and that's not counting out Torrance and Cartraven. But Torrance is a guy we can use as a slot receiver to Torrance Burgess because he did that at Tyler, but we redshirted Torrance last year as well. And you guys had already had McDuffie sign, but yes. Bush as well. Um, how important is it for you guys to get some of those top-level guys that we have here in El Paso? Oh, it's great. You know, we're always going to – we are always going to um, evaluate uh, – more the guys in El Paso. They're, they're going to get a, a stronger evaluation from us 
uh, because it's easier to do it. It's easier to value it. It's obviously there for us. Uh, and we're going to take them because they're really good players, and we're, we're, we're not going to take them because we feel like they're not good enough players, and we're not going to do anything based on uh, whether, what their proximity is, right? I mean, we're going to evaluate them extremely hard. We're not going to overlook anybody. We're not going to miss anybody, but we're sure not going to take anybody um, uh, that's not talented enough because of their proximity. But we're definitely going to give opportunities to a lot of the guys in El Paso to come into our program and to do what Ray Flores did and to walk on into our program and to be uh, superstar players that Ray Flores was and superstar individuals. You know, and that opportunity is always there, but it's only there for some because, you know, we're not going to bring a guy uh, into the program unless we feel like we're doing him due, due diligence by giving him the opportunity to play because he's good enough, right? You don't want to bring a guy into the program he's just not good enough when he can go to another level. Right, and that's one of the prides I have as a college football coach is I always try to think about the kids first, you know, and, and that's the, the blessing that you have to understand that you have as a head coach. You better be thinking about the kids first, and so to me it's really important to make sure that each kid gets to the level that they're best fit to play at, too. So that's a long answer to that question. It's an important thing for me. Yeah. That's a perfect answer if you think about it because, number one, he should be evaluating talent better here than everybody else because they're right in your backyard. And you're not going to just take a player because they're here. You're going to take a player because they're going to be able to help you. So if anything, Adrian, what's the interesting part about this is is that um, UTEP might not end up offering certain players that go to other D1 schools because maybe for whatever reason – Dana Dimmel feels that they can't necessarily help his situation out at UTEP where a school comes in from out of town and maybe they recruit differently or scout differently because they don't have somebody living here like UTEP does, and they will give some of those players different opportunities. It's so interesting, right, because I feel like it's a double-edged sword. Sometimes you see these players leave El Paso and have success other places, and that's what makes people wonder, well, what happened with UTEP? Why didn't UTEP uh, get on some of these guys? I'll, I'll just reel off a couple quick examples over the past couple years. Will Will Williams, um, Chapin Huskies graduate, he left Chapin to go to Baylor, mm -hmm. uh, class of 2019. Uh, another name to kind of mention. And this is an interesting one, Aaron Dumas. Uh, he oh, yeah. was he was recruited by UTEP, but late in the process, not early in the process, and went from New Mexico, where he was an all freshman, to Washington. Granted, he didn't play this past season for the Huskies at the Pac-12 level, but still, he's you know power five bound. And uh, one other name to mention, Alec Marenko, linebacker from Burgess, who graduated at last year as well. He went to New Mexico and he started almost right away, and he's he's playing significant minutes for that group. Good examples. Really good examples. Zay, what about you? You see players that are like, uh, you know, really good D1 prospects, but necessarily they're not just not part of UTEP's top priorities? Yeah, I get it, right? You, I, I get some what he's saying, right? But I signed nine running backs, and, you know, hey, maybe Malcolm Anderson didn't fit your group. Maybe Jane Wilson didn't fit your group. He's going to play linebacker. But it's just I get what he's saying, right? You you understand where he's coming from. It doesn't make it any less frustrating just to see guys like that well, leave this town, but I get what he's saying. I'm just going to remind you again. When Sean Coogler had a roster that was more than one-third El Paso, they stunk, and nobody cared. Fans didn't care. 
Nobody called in and said, well, you know what? They're terrible, but at least they got a bunch of El Paso guys. It was exactly the opposite. People were complaining that there were too many El Paso players on this roster. Yeah, I get it, right? I get it, but they're not, they're not, they're not, he's not out there. At least he's going after the guys, right? He's going after the top priority guys. He's going after DJ Krez, who's going to Texas Tech. It's just annoying to see guys like that not even. Well, you're not going to hit them all the time. Yeah, no, it's not about getting them. It's about at least making it seem like you made a decent attempt at getting them. Yeah, I get it. But what I mean, listen, okay, here's my question, okay? Let's just say you know you're not getting somebody. So are you telling me that you're just going to make it a public relations show to make it look like you're really going after somebody if you know deep down they have no interest in going to your school? Didn't they do that for, uh, what's his name? Tristan Newton? No, 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 uh, Tavares Jones. Tavares Jones. Oh. Four-star running back. They offered him. They threw an offer at him. They threw an offer at Jeremiah Cooper. Sure. I'm pretty sure deep down they knew, hey, we're not going to get this guy, but it was good to at least see him throw an offer at him. So you want the PR show. You want you want that. You want to see something that at least makes it look like they're making an effort. Yeah, it is. It, it at least it lets younger kids know, hey, okay. fair you know, enough. It, it's at least that. It's at least the thought. I'll it, give you that. You know, the thought that counts. That that's that's what I'm saying here. Fair enough. Let's send it back to Adrian. One last bottom of the hour sports center update here as we continue. Thank you very much, Stephen Zay. Let's go over to the men's college basketball scoreboard right now. Oh, man, what a great game going on in Big East hoops right now. We've got uh, just under two minutes to go in this contest between Xavier and Providence. 16 versus 17 in the country, and this one is going to overtime. That's right, 76-76 is the tie, and now we are heading to OT in this contest. In this one, of course, former minor Sule Boom is playing in this one. He's playing for the 16th-ranked Xavier Musketeers, uh, and he's having himself w- one uh, great game in this one. Let me read you a stat line. 15 points tonight, 9 assists, and in this game, a steal to go along with his effort. Just one turnover for Sule Boom in this game. Let's head over to some more scores across college basketball right now. This one out in Gainesville. Number 2 Tennessee is back. They, they now lead Florida 44-38, 10 minutes to go in this contest right now number 25 auburn all over georgia 71 to 47 nine minutes to go in this game number one purdue uh, beat out um uh, Penn State, eight, uh, 80 to 60. That was a final from earlier today. Also coming up after this Providence Xavier game, it will be Villanova going up against number 14 Marquette. 6:30 tip off on FS1. Heading over to the NBA scoreboard right now. A lot of games going on. Let's get you to all of the scores uh, and let's start off with the ESPN game of the night. It's the Nets up against the Celtics. Boston all over uh, New York in this one. 79 to 45 at the half. Also, right now, Grizzlies lead the Trailblazers 71 to 67. That's a look at your Sports Center update. I'm Adrian Bradis. All right, Adrian. Thank you, Adrian, for that update as we continue. Um, by the way, the Nets are playing the Celtics, not the Knicks. The Nets. Um, I thought you said Knicks. Maybe I have Knicks in the brain because I watched the Knicks yesterday lose to the Lakers. And I saw a triple double from LeBron. Um, who's closing in, by the way, on that you know that record from uh, Kareem? Um, but yeah, the Nets look awful. God, what happened? 
Well, they lost KD, uh, and it's been, uh, you know, whenever Brooklyn loses KD, it's just tough for them to get any wins. And Kyrie Irving going up against his former team in Boston right here, just no success mm. against uh, the Celtics, who were just red hot in the first quarter. They led 46-16. to 16. They're not Lord. looking back in this game. No, nah, that's awful. That is absolutely By awful. the way, that game last night was awesome between Lakers and Knicks. Uh, I love New York's team. Jalen Brunson pouring in 37 points on his way to being a, a, an all-star. I'm just very impressed by him and this Knicks team. The Lakers needed to win. I, that's yep. just the bottom line. They, they had been losing so many times over this road swing, uh, and LeBron putting up that triple-double was impressive. But he does it because he's an MSG. He wants that's to show true. up in front of the fans. Let's go back back. Here's more of Dana Dimmel as we continue. Coach, what's the spring football timeline look like? For yeah, we're going to start um, on February 28th. We're going to go Tuesday, February 28th, with a real light practice early in the morning because it's an unusual day for us to practice. Um, so we go just like we did last year. We're going to go early, early in the morning on that day and do a lighter practice because of the NCAA legislation that requires that. And then we'll start up Wednesday, uh, uh, March 1st at, on uh, at 9 o'clock, and we'll go every Wednesday, Friday, Monday after that. Our Monday practices will be at 9.25. Uh, they'll start at 9.25. Our Wednesday, Fridays will start at 9. And they'll be after week two. It'll be spring break. And then we'll have three more weeks after spring break with the uh, spring game um, being uh, on Friday, April 7th. So that's the, that's the schedule for everybody. Uh, and, of course, it'll be out there for everybody to see. But that's, kind of, that's, that's not kind of. That's what it is. And that's where it is right now um, for everybody to set their calendars. So looking forward to it. Hopefully we'll have some, uh, you know, last year we practiced in the snow, right? So we had, as you guys remember, and then we played FIU and it was colder than all, who knows what, and it helped us, right? So uh, the, the, the different weather patterns that you get here, I think, are an advantage to us in a lot of ways. Coach, what's the time frame on an offensive coordinator? Yeah, um, you know, I don't know what I could comment about publicly on that, but just you know, I'm most likely going to hire from within. You know, that's most likely what I'm going to do. I don't know if I can make any official comments on that, but you know, that's my style, and that's what I'm going to do. Dave, Dave retired. Dave had a, Dave. Uh, I'm glad. Hey, Dave retired. Okay, so there was. That's one thing to say. All right, we didn't know if Dave resigned or Dave retired. So according to Dana Dimmel, Dave retired. Adrian, let's go with that one. Right, and and I talked about this earlier this week in an article. It, it didn't really matter between retire, resign. I, I know some fans wanted the the sexiness of a resigning and to maybe get mad about something at this point of the, of the off season, but that wasn't the case. The, the bigger point of this is three offensive coordinators in six years, uh, and you know a little lack of continuity as far as the OC, regardless of the role they play. Yeah, that's true. That it's, and he said that he's hiring from within. So basically, it's a two man race, right? Scotty O'Hara and uh, Barrick Neely. I would think so. You could also also throw Mike Simmons in the mix because he's uh, he's very sure. you know well well versed on this team. I think O'Hara makes sense if you're looking at a passing game coordinator, wide receiver coach. My thing is, please hire another offensive coach. It, it just only helps your team in the long run. Uh, that would make a lot of sense. I agree with that. Let's hear the rest of the answer from Coach Dimmel. Retirement home in in South Georgia that was pretty hard for him to leave, and uh, and he came here for a couple of years and did a, a tremendous tremendous job, and um, 
he was the, the retirement life was just calling his name way too much, and uh, he's going to go back to that retirement, beautiful retirement home, and spend it with his beautiful wife and, and enjoy, uh, and not you know not planning right now to coach any more football unless some you know crazy opportunity came up for him that that you know. You know, as we all say, you retire and then you might not retire, right? But he's, but that stage plan right now. And so, um, you know, obviously I always like to uh, promote from within when I can. You know, there's obviously things that keep me from announcing things in any certain fashion. You know, I got to do due diligence to the process and all that stuff. But that's that's the that's the plan. So, okay. All right, there it is. That's how it ended. Dana Dimmel saying that he is going to hire from within. But do his due diligence. Anyway, as we continue here at 20 in front of 7. When we come back, UTEP has done it. They've taken a shirt design that we loved, and they're offering it to fans. And yet, there is a catch. We'll explain as we continue. More in a moment. 19 in front of 7. Sports Talk runs uh, run right back on our final countdown. 600 ESPN El Paso. 